everybody, it's that time again. Welcome to How You Play the Game, the official podcast of the OSU Foundation Incorporated. Yours truly, Jack Furlong, with you as we talk to you about what's going on as far as the world of sportsmanship is concerned. Hope you're having a good beginning of the month of March, the year 2018. This is the first episode of said month. Across the way from me, producer-engineer Sean Ryan. Sean, welcome. What's happening? Oh, hey, I'm sorry. I'm just, I'm just, uh, you're I'm, doing your job. Is I'm, what you're doing. I'm loading up the Simpty time code. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I'm just making sure we're all synced. Oh, that's up. good. That's this means that you actually are earning the money that I'm not paying you to do this. Right. So, you know, so we'll call it in a future investment. Exactly. An investment in the future. future yeah, right. Exactly. Yeah. How are you? Ah, everything's peachy. Good. Everything's good. Got a yeah. haircut today, so I feel lighter. I'm sorry, I didn't. I didn't. I'm not looking for you to notice. Okay, you know you should just shave your head. I probably should, like I did. I used to do that actually. Really? As a young kid, yeah. You shaved your head I, every summer, it like was, completely, like was, a crew cut. Yeah, yeah. I'm huh. sure. I'm sure there's evidence somewhere. I mean, it is a summer haircut. It, that it is. I never understood the people who did that during the winter. It's like that's, well, then you're gonna have a hard time understanding. Well, well you're different. You wear it all the time. I, you know? it, it's so convenient. I'm, I'm not debating that at all. I just like I remember there's a, I remember kids in my class in like elementary school who you'd walk in in this cold day in January and they'd have no hair all of a sudden and I'm like, isn't that what you want to do in June? Quit, and a funny story. Yeah. When I was in third grade, there was this there was this kid uh, who um, said I got a haircut. He was wearing a baseball cap. Right. It's like if we go into the bathroom, he's like. Promise that you're not going to laugh. Okay. So he takes off his cap, but he does it in such a way where he looks like a doofus. <laughs> like he takes off the hat funny and he's just like, like, like he makes this face. But, and, and I start, I'm like, mm-hmm. yeah. yep, that's, that's good. And yeah. I'm like trying not to laugh. I'm like, it looks great. It has nothing to do with your haircut. It, it has just, nothing to do with the fact that you're a terrible actor. <laughs> so I'll never forget that. Oh, it's funny. Yeah. That's funny. All right, so we got a lot to get to on this episode. Before we get to any of that, let's get all the, the housekeeping out of the way. Make sure, sure that uh, you know you can contact the show at podcast at osipfoundation.org, facebook.com slash osipfoundation, and Twitter is at osipfoundation with the hashtag how you play the game. Uh, the contest is still technically open for anyone who wants to try and uh, be on an, a future episode of how you play the game. Uh, if you are a, uh, if you think you are the biggest and best baseball aficionado that you know, send us an email at podcast at osafoundation.org and tell us why, and you could end up on a future episode. So time sounds, sounds juicy. It is. So times are running out. So get on that because we were going to record that episode very soon. And we want, we want to reward somebody and, you know, give them a chance to be on here with us. Can't wait. You know, um, other than that, make sure that uh, you have subscribed to this podcast on iTunes or Podbean, given us lots of stars and great reviews and whatnot so that we can help get the word of this out to other people and uh, spread the word. And, you know, there's a lot. There's, I, every time I mention this podcast to other people, you know, they're, they're, they're kind of intrigued by it. So, so people want to hear this stuff. Right. And, and we rely on you, our listeners to, to help with that. So, sure. you know, yeah, we, we really need you guys to do that. So please continue to, to support us 
and uh, we look forward to uh, trying to continue to bring you great content twice a month. Yeah, not to mention sportsmanship. Yeah, it affects everyone. Yeah, absolutely. You know? So yeah. it, it, this is, you know, this is directed towards. You know, we're not some niche. You know, it's uh, not just it, about sports. It, yeah, sportsmanship is in every single aspect of life. Right. So. so yeah. Definitely, definitely uh, share your stories with mm-hmm. us, and we'd love to have you on. Yeah. All right, we got a ton to get to today, so we got to get through it quickly so that people don't tune us out and say this podcast is way too long, which is, you know, what we get all the time. Right. But all right, so let's start with this fortnight in sportsmanship. We got five stories to cover, so let's get through them real quickly. Okay. We'll go. We got three good and two bad. So we'll start okay. good and then go bad. And then good, bad, and then end on good. Like a positive, negative, exactly. positive sandwich. You nailed, you nailed. I haven't had lunch yet, so now... I mean either. I'm, but I'm not eating meat today, so no sandwich. I'm going to get pizza and... You and can have a veggie sandwich. I'm, maybe I will, Lois. Maybe I will. should probably get something to eat yeah, after, <laughs> after <Exactly>. this. <laughs> All right, so let's get to it. So first, uh, a great story that you actually sent me, Sean, about Super Bowl champion Jason Kelsey. So... He goes back to his alma mater high school in Ohio. Oh, right. Yep. And yep. and ends up uh, sitting in with their jazz band. And he's a baritone saxophonist like me. So mm-hmm. I'm looking at this and I'm watching the video. And I was like, oh, you got to be kidding me. And he looks the part, too. And yeah. he sounds like he can, he can cut he can, it. Yeah, he, you he know? Can, the cat can play. Exactly. <laughs> so, I mean, yeah, perhaps this might not be a direct application of good sportsmanship as we might see it. But it's a, it's a nice gesture from the standpoint of this is a guy who, you know, who, who is taking in the, the the immense responsibility of being a Super Bowl champion and and turning it back in ways that will hopefully um, inspire people you know to, to have a Super Bowl champion come to a, to a, your, your high school and and show off his skills of, of musical talent is nothing short of just another opportunity to uh, see things, you know, a, a little differently, and say, you know what? If this guy can do it, maybe I can do it. If you know, there's there's a level of inspiration there. There's a level of of persuasion to to keep on keeping on with your dreams and whatnot. Right. So there's a lot there's a lot of different factors at play, and just him being there, yeah, and being and showing you know where he came from with his roots. Not only does it show that music and sports can get along, mm-hmm. but it shows that you know. You're a Super Bowl champion. Right. You could be anywhere right now. Mm-hmm. You choose to go back to your high school, play with your jazz band. What a great, yeah, great move. Yeah, I, absolutely. I, and so I think it is pretty sportsmanlike. Mm-hmm. You're you're in that position. You're on top of the world right now. I think it's a great move. I agree. I agree. One hundred and ten percent. So kudos to to Jason Kelsey for doing that. And uh, maybe we'll maybe we need to get him into some of our groups too. Yeah, yeah, the yeah. the Hopewell Valley uh, Pops Orchestra yeah, exactly. for sure. Could I'm use sure. Them. I'm sure he has a lot of time to do that now. Yeah, and um, hey, he could sit in with the Jack for a long quartet, mm-hmm. dueling Barry Saxes. That's I don't a, know. If, I don't know if he can improvise, but well, hey, I, listen, he's a Super Bowl champion. There's nothing it'll he be, can't do. It'll okay? be fun. The fa- I'm surprised if I wouldn't be surprised if he could fly. Okay, yeah. so hence why he's an eagle. <gasps> I see what you did Thank there. You. I'll be here all week. Tip your waitress. Uh-huh. All right. So that's a one on the good side. Okay. Let's go to the bad side. Oh. Cue the sad trombone. All right. I'll add that in later. Thank you. We, we need a soundboard, don't we? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Listen, there's only so much I can I know, do. I know. I know. Okay. 
this happened uh, recently. I'm, I'm trying to find the exact date. It was it was within the last uh, two weeks or so. Okay. Chicago Blackhawks and Washington Capitals are playing a hockey game. Okay, right. in Chicago. Okay. Four Chicago Blackhawk fans were kicked out of a game uh, at the United Center after they made racially charged taunts towards Capitals forward uh, Devontae Smith Pelly. He was in the penalty box serving a five-minute major for fighting, which, ironic, since we talked about that recently. A few podcasts exactly. ago, yeah. Um, and apparently, and I can, I think I can say this because it's, it's not inappropriate from the standpoint of saying words that you wouldn't want people to hear, but it's inappropriate in how it was intended. As he's sitting in the penalty box, um, there was a fan right next to the to the box that started chanting at him, quote, basketball, 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 basically obviously inferring that there's no place for a person of African-American heritage on an, on in the hockey rink, which is nothing short of ridiculous. Right. Um, quotes from a couple of people. Uh, Capitals head coach Barry Trotz said, there's absolutely no place in a game of hockey or a country for racism. I think it's disgusting. There's no place for it. The athletes in this country don't deserve that. It just shows ignorance. A Hawks spokesperson said, quote, we were made aware of an incident at tonight's game involving a small group of attendees who made harmful comments directed at Washington Capitals player Devontae Smith-Pelly. The fans were immediately removed, and we apologized to Smith-Pelly and the Washington Capitals organization. We are committed to providing an inclusive environment for everyone who attends our games, and these actions will never be tolerated. Okay, great. Um, Update from uh, NHL Commissioner Gary Bettman released saying, quote, last night in Chicago, so this obviously came out the day after on Sunday, individuals directly uh, directed racial taunts and abuse at Washington Capitals player Devontae uh, Smith-Pelly. The National Hockey League condemns this unacceptable and reprehensible behavior. The league fully supports the actions taken by the United Center and the Blackhawks to eject the offenders and would expect the same response to any similarly unacceptable behavior at any of our arenas. And then he continues on by saying, Quote, while this incident was isolated in nature, no player, coach, official, or fan should ever have to endure such abuse at one of our games. The league will take steps to have our clubs reminded all stakeholders, remind all stakeholders that they are entitled to enjoy a positive environment, free from un- unacceptable, inappropriate, disruptive, inconsiderate, or unruly behaviors or actions, and may not engage in conduct deemed detrimental to that experience. Which is all well and good, but the only thing that I took exception to with this particular report of it was... Where he kind of, or Batman continued on saying, while this incident was isolated in nature, I'm like, at that point, why, why dissect it any further? Right. You know, just, just, there's no point to that because that almost fuels the fire a little bit. More. Yeah. Just say this happened. We condemn it. We, we support what they did to respond to it, and we're going to take steps to try and make sure this never happens. Mitigate again. it exactly. at the very least. Exactly. It was absolutely ridiculous that he continued on with it from that standpoint, mm. but. Un, you know, it's more uh, more unfortunate is the fact that it occurred in the first place. Right. So, um, kudos to the 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 Blackhawks for taking the action that they did, but um, it's just it's just a shame that something like that action can exist. I mean, I don't want to spend time drawing comparisons within the the arena. No, not the actual arena, the physical arena, but the the proverbial arena of hockey and is this connected to fighting is this connected to any ill will that goes on between fans and what they expect at a hockey game yada yada yada. i just it's just stupid it's just Mm -hmm. stupid ridiculous and we should be better than that right so all right that's story number two story number three a good story great 
UFC fighter refuses to win after opponent slips in classy display of sportsmanship. This was a story by Andrew hmm. Joseph. Um, a couple of weeks ago, um, if I'm doing it, this would have been on, uh, let me look at the calendar. This would have been on the 18th of February. Okay. Uh, UFC fight night main event bout, uh, had a bout between uh, Cowboy Cerrone and Yancey. I'm going to screw this last name up. Medeiros. It was obviously Latin in nature. Um, it ended in, in Cerrone's first round technical knockout uh, when, but this, the fight could have been stopped earlier. And what happened was they, there was a, a great display of sportsmanship. Just seconds into the fight, and I'm now quoting the article by Joseph, um, Medeiros uh, slipped while throwing a punch at, at Cerrone. Medeiros hit the canvas and was in a vulnerable position for Cerrone to easily pounce and win the fight, but Cerrone didn't react. Uh, knowing that he hadn't forced uh, Medeiros to the ground, Cerrone let his opponent get back to his feet. Medeiros smiled, and the two shared a hug before continuing on with the fight. Wow. Which is great. I mean, listen, the, the, the sport of UFC in itself is worthy of an exceptional debate as to why we even have it in the first place. I mean, we can get into the, the, the discussion of what is worthy of considered you know, natural competition. This is obviously similar to boxing and what, and it's, and it, it begs questions of why are we, um, creating, you know, a, a competition or a sport that revolves around, you know, bludgeoning someone to death. You know, it, it really makes you take, take a step back and say, really, this is what we're doing, but that's kind of not here nor there for the purposes of this story. The fact that this guy in this, exceptionally masculine and testosterone-filled environment took a step back and said, no, I'm not going to take the easy way out in this win. Let the guy get up and and let's have a real true fight. It, it, I mean, leveling the playing exactly. field. Exactly. I mean, I mean, yeah. look, to play devil's advocate, maybe you say you could you could say, oh, this guy's just being egotistical. You know, he says, oh, I'm you know, I'm it's I'm too good for this. I'm going to win anyway. Let the I'm going to toy with him and let him get up, but. I mean, I don't think we need to slice the bologna too thin. Let's just take it for what it is and say, great job by, by Cowboy Cerrone. Well, they hugged. Exactly. So, I mean, that's... that's that that's kind of... That the, seals the deal. Exactly. Uh, so the fact know. that in the middle of... The, as, the, as the clock is ticking down, they took a second to hug, you know, and I'm sure the, the ref was kind of looking at him like, what? You know, mm-hmm. that, that to me kind of says it all. Right. So, so kudos to them. Yeah. So for, for that. Back to the bad side. This took place in Arizona, okay. which, according to um, Marv from Home Alone 2, is a foreign country. Right. You know? Wow. So, okay. That's a little Daniel Stern trivia for you right Interesting. there. Interesting. All right. This, this article is by Richard Obert from AZ Central Sports, um, and it is recounting an incident in Arizona where they had to evacuate a varsity basketball game because of poor sportsmanship. Let me just read what I can from this article to get the the full thing because it kind of jumps around a little bit. Apache Junction's gymnasium in January is evacuated during a girls' basketball game that got more uh, chippy in the stands. The only spectators left were Scottsdale uh, Coronado's junior varsity players who are instructed not to cheer. They have to stay because the varsity team is their ride home. After Coronado pulls out a close win, the girls are escorted by Apache Junction security to their bus. 
Apache Junction Athletic Director Tina Harshman confirmed first-year Coronado coach Jamie Fellow's account. I'd never seen anything like it before, Fellow said. In December at Phoenix Arcadia, after Glendale Deer Valley's boys basketball team rallies for an eight-point win, Arcadia students stormed the court with what Deer Valley coach Jen Dunn described as, quote, a beeline directly toward our handshake line, end quote. A bottle, Dunn says, was then thrown into the crowd. Some of the things the fans... From, were, from the fans. Okay. Okay. Uh, some of the things that the fans were saying to our kids was disgusting, Dunn said. Uh, when informed of this scene by AZ Central Sports, Arcadia principal Todd Stevens said in an email, quote, Arcadia believes in good sportsmanship both on and off the field, and we have high expectations not only of our athletes but our spectators, end quote. Stevens says a verbal altercation occurred after the game and nobody was injured, but police broke up the crowd, quote, to keep the situation from escalating, end quote. Arcadia disciplined the students involved and met with the students, a student spirit club leaders to discuss good sportsmanship. It's not just during the heat of the playoff race that emotions rise to a dangerous level. In Phoenix, Shadow Mountain boys basketball team's season opener at Tempe, the game had to be momentarily stopped in the second half by security to calm upset fans in the stands. Uh, the Arizona Inter Interscholastic Association once hung its hat on the, quote, victory with honor, end quote, code of conduct that high school athletes, fans, and coaches had to follow. Uh, and there are still great examples of sportsmanship being exhibited by these teams, but so many good examples are being drowned out by the bad and the ugly that have been ex exhibited in sports. Uh, kids are mimicking professional college athletes have, who have gone out of control. Since the school year had begun, there have been more than 800 athlete ejections in all of the fall and winter sports in Arizona. In the first half Since the 2017-18 school year began... There have been more than 800 athlete ejections in all of the fall and winter sports. Soccer has nearly half of those ejections. Nearly, there have been nearly 50 coach ejections for all sports. The number what is of, this, the Wild West? Uh, well, it is in Arizona. So but, geography. Right. Yeah. But, <laughs> but yes, I get you. I get, sorry, I just like, completely destroyed your joke there. That's on me. That's my fault. I'll take the hit for that. But really... I. What? I know. I know. The number of ejections is an increase of more than 60 from last year's total over the school year, and it hasn't even gotten to the spring sports season. Uh, I, uh, an intervention is needed of some yeah, sort. I'm trying, to, I'm trying to see if there's anything else in here that are... Uh, I, 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 I can't keep going on here, but... Um, Uh, the the uh, Brian Gessner, son of a colonel, took over from a retired Gary Wetchel as the AIA's commissioner of officials in January. He has been collecting and cataloging every official's incidents and ejections report. He has informed officials to be more aware and have a shorter leash in order to keep emotions from getting out of hand. Said Gessner, we have to do a better job of officials uh, as officials to see that coming and prevent that. Because there have been so many ejections in soccer this season, referees no longer are part of the sport's traditional post-game handshake line in order to protect them from coaches and players, and sometimes parents who have crossed the line of abuse. So let me let me just—they've been cataloging every incident as they normally do, right? I mean, but but you would need a Dewey Decimal system for the amount of. Thankfully, technology has advanced at this point in, in our day and age. But, but yes, can you imagine being the guy? To have to write all these incidents down. Yeah. 
I, 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 over I, 800 since the school year started. That is ridiculous. Uh, let's see here. Um, Gessner said, until we clean, clean that up and really start elevating sportsmanship again, this doesn't make sense. I love tradition. They resisted it first, and they said, said we get why you're doing it. Um, the, the ejections in soccer are, are outrageous. Uh, years ago, the AIA mandated that anybody ejected from a game has to serve an automatic next game suspension. Uh, let's see here. Technicals and red cards are adding up. Trash talking is everywhere, sometimes starting on social media and carrying over into games. Oh, yeah. How are crowds controlled? How much more security is needed to keep from this from happening? Um, it's bad. It's absolutely bad. I mean, we bad. can really go down a rabbit hole with this. Yeah. Um, the, but... fa- the fact that they now have to clear sporting events and instruct fans who are left based on, you know, rides not to cheer... This this is ridiculous. The the uh, let's call out the entire state of Arizona right now, it, with the exception of you know spring training. But I mean, this is happening at the high school level. Eight hundred ejections in just this school year alone, which hasn't even reached the sports the spring sports season yet. Talk about ridiculous. And if this is going on in the high school. What's going on in the middle schools? Oh God, I can only—I don't even want to like, think about it. it. It's you know, I don't even want to think about it. Um, I mean, because it's got to start from somewhere, right? You would imagine. So, what kind imagine. of lessons are these coaches teaching? It's—it's it's not good. I, see, here's here's what scares me. It seems like there are a number of people who are trying to fix the problem who aren't reaching people. You know, now, clearly they're being completely outnumbered by the fact that there are a number of people who aren't doing anything about it. But there's a small faction of coaches, you know, or officials or whomever trying to trying to prevent this from happening. And it's resulting in nothing. And, it, you know, and to bring it back, it's it's the people who often need to hear the message mm-hmm. who aren't listening. Exactly. I was explaining that to somebody last night, actually. Where I said we, you know, we as an organization try very diligently to do whatever we have to do to to spread this message, but unfortunately, the people who need it the most are the ones who aren't going to hear it. Mm-hmm. And the only thing that you can do is continue to empower those who will be your allies and right. hope that it rubs off indirectly. Right. That's really the only way that you you can't you can't go up to somebody and and berate them and say you're a terrible person because you don't follow good sports. That'll make things worse. Exactly. First of all, it's a it's kind of going against the, right. the mission in the first place yeah. you know you but, will be a good sportsman yeah you're gonna like it yeah and if you're not i'm gonna beat you up that's terrible that's yeah <laughs> well that just completely backfired that, that escalated you know? quickly yeah. that got out of hand yeah. brick you should really lay low for a while you know <laughs> brick killed a man hmm. so anyway that's arizona the wow. foreign country according to daniel stern let's end on a positive great suny oswego the State University of New York up in Oswego County, which is beautiful up there if you've ever been up there. That's up near Cooperstown and whatnot. I have been up uh, there. Isn't, yeah. it, isn't it? It's a fantastic place to go. Um, on March 1st, which is when this podcast comes out, hmm. um, SUNY Oswego will hold their 10th annual Sportsmanship Day Symposium. 
and they will bring uh, attention to the importance of sportsmanship by sharing experiences where sports have proven to be more than just a game. Hmm. They, in, within their sociology department and sports studies program, they will be hosting uh, an event where they uh, celebrate the 28th annual National Sportsmanship Day. Sportsmanship, National Sportsmanship Day is celebrated on the first Tuesday of March every year, so that'll be coming up. And uh, we should think about going to that. I was going to say, I don't know if we can make it Not up there this, this year. year, but we we should definitely get in touch with these people. Yeah. Um, it says here, um, Tim Delaney, professor and chair of sociology at SUNY Oswego, says, quote, I would ask students, what does sportsmanship mean to them? It always amazed me that people were puzzled by that, how to define sportsmanship. Um, goes on to say that uh, the objective of National Sportsmanship Day is to get the conversation started, to promote ethics, honesty, and fair play, and to encourage sportsmanship entirely, which is fantastic. You know, that that, that's how this perfectly. Yeah. That aligns perfectly with, with our what, mission. Yeah, exactly. Um, Delaney goes on to say, quote, I am not naive enough to ignore the negative things in sports, but I also firmly believe there's far more positive things. Sports are a microcosm of society. We study sports because whatever you find in sports, you find in the rest of society. Very true. So this is all great stuff. So we'll be sure to uh, be getting in touch with uh, these people yeah. moving forward. Sounds great. So that's this fortnight in sportsmanship. We got through it. We got we through did. all five. Great. Ah, wow. feel relieved. Whew. I know. I know. So let's talk about what we're here for today. Great. Today's episode is dedicated to the Olympics. We just had the Winter Olympics close. We, you know, they just wrapped up another Winter Olympics mm -hmm. in over in Korea. Mm -hmm. um, we'll have to wait two years till we get the Summer Olympics, and mm -hmm. then yada yada. But we have got a hodgepodge of examples of both good and bad sportsmanship yeah. this year that we need to discuss. Absolutely. Um, Sean, why don't you pick the starting point okay. of, of where we'd like to start with this, with an example or with whatever well, you'd like to bring to the table. Let's start with an overview okay. of what the Olympics is and what it's supposed to mean for the international community. Okay. Um, it's a time for athletes and fans from all over the world to not only compete against one another, but to celebrate sport mm -hmm. in general. And for the most part, that seems to ring true during the entire two weeks Makes that sense. the Olympics yeah. are. I mean, it is, it is a natural breeding ground for good sportsmanship. Mm -hmm. um, and, and not only that, but diplomacy, which... Yes comes from good sportsmanship yes. and vice versa. So a lot of that in politics and and you know, that, yeah. and that's my second point mm -hmm. is it that it's a double-edged sword that in addition to uh, various athletes and organizations reaching out to one another during a time of celebration the of these two weeks that there is a political side to it. Right. Um, and one example is the 1936 Olympics of uh, in Berlin, mm -hmm. and this was during the Nazi Germany um, regime, um, and their goal for that Olympics was to spread propaganda and militarism and German superiority, and which in itself is bad sportsmanship. Yep. Um, and you know it 
it it is very it is political, um, especially when you see, you know, the the banners, all the ban- the, the the swastika banners, and all the messages being uh, told during the during the Olympics. Um, you know the, the, about the the superior Aryan race and how right. their how their athletes are the strongest and how they're and uh, you know they're going to win all the events and um, sort of a, a heroic story uh, Olympia U.S. Olympian uh, Jesse Owens mm-hmm. who is famously uh, known for uh, winning four gold medals in track and field. Uh, which was unheard of back then. Uh, this, the grandson of a of a of, of an American African American slave, mm-hmm. um, kind of shoved it back in their face right, and said, yeah. "No, I don't think so. Yeah. This is this goes beyond your country. Yeah. This goes beyond one race. We're all we're all the same race. We're all the human race. Yes. And I and and it was really a it, it was really an amazing message. Um, and a display of really good sportsmanship, almost the outcome of the event right. in itself is a display of good sportsmanship, considering how bad, uh, how, how, how Nazi Germany at the time was displaying bad sportsmanship mm-hmm. with the propaganda. Right. So it just goes to show you that it, the Olympics is, it's political, but it should be political for the right reasons, to bring everyone together in in a sense of unity and a sense of good diplomacy. Yes. Okay. So on that note, um, unfortunately, the most of the examples that I have are of bad sportsmanship. It's pretty evident. Um, so yeah. And considering the 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 uh, tumultuous political climate, you know, being that the the, the Olympics were in South Korea, mm-hmm. or, um, uh, in Pyongyang. Um, you know, it's um, there are there are some tensions, there. yeah. But there are a few good stories that that have come out of it. But let's start with um, a bad example of sportsmanship um, with the uh, French French skier uh, uh, Matteo Favre. I see I what you. I, I think you probably got it pretty Favre. close. Yeah, I think I, I took French for eight years. I, I better I, pronounce yeah. that. Eight years? Eight years. Wow. Yeah. I only did five. In in, in high school and college. One in middle school, four in high school, and three in college. Three in college. So it was uh Yeah. Anyway, (laughs) (laughs) I should know how to pronounce names, but um anyway, uh Matteo uh Favre uh was uh had left the Olympics early. Um, for disciplinary reasons, mm-hmm. uh, he had said, um, uh, if you only knew what I think about the group collective in, in a very condescending way, I'm here to race for myself only. Wow. Um, so he's put almost putting him, his own country down. Right. Yeah. And it, it, it cannibalistic in nature, yeah. very much so. So, um, you know, it, it's it's in an, in an, an environment of the Olympics right. where it, where it's supposed to be very you're supposed to be very cordial mm-hmm. even more so than any one particular country you're you're supposed to be you're supposed to sh- kind of show good sportsmanship by default yeah j- j- just by the nature of the event in its entirety 
So there's a very holistic view on 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 this whole on this celebratory uh, uh, time. Right. Um, so even the minor issues, or what would be considered very minor here, for one person to say I race for myself only might be sort of glossed over in a lot of areas in this country but in on an olympic stage that's a big no no oh exactly you do not say things like that you know what's funny too not that this really has any bearing on the situation because it there there's a complete separate side to it that we we obviously have to examine in, in how this looks but you know we have that stereotypical view of 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 kind of in, in, in this this jesting way of how someone who is French might act, mm-hmm. you know, and this almost fits that stereotype to a right. certain degree. Like if you watch like the the image that keeps coming into my head, which is it makes me incredibly old. I remember watching an old episode of Whose Lines Did Anyway, mm-hmm. and uh, Greg Proops had this suggestion during a game where he had to act like he was part of the French version. Well, he's French Canadian, yeah, isn't he? Uh, well, that's that's Colin Mockery, I think, isn't he? Or is, is Greg Proops also French Canadian? I, I, I think I'm not 100. They could all sure. be. They could all be Canadian on that show. Even Wayne Brady. Yeah. You know, so, but but the idea is that you know he 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 was supposed to be someone from the French version of Who's Line, and the whole thing was stop laughing. It is not funny. You know, mm-hmm. just, just like really playing up that side. Right. And I, I bring that up because this almost sounds like it's being made in jest along those lines. Right. But it's not. It's real. This is a real. <laughs> Right. arrogant narcissistic person mm-hmm. who who really needs to be and, and thankfully was sent home mm-hmm. so it's, now was it the french team that sent him home yes good, good and for them. and well here here's there is a development okay uh he did issue an apology all right so here's the good side of it um the apology reads skiing is an individual sport that is practiced as a team However, when we are in the starting gate, only our individual race and our own performance are important. So yes, when it came time to give my feelings on my race, a few 10 minutes after crossing the finish line, only my performance and failure were present. So he was pretty hard on himself. Yeah. Um, but here, well, hold Keep on. Going. Yeah. So no one, no one reacts in the same way to failure. And I have to admit, coming from the South, South France, I may tend to have hot blood so words so words have crossed my mind. I do not want to disrespect anyone. I was extremely proud to represent my country, and I thank all those who made this possible. So, I mean... To me, that's kind of a, like a half-assed apology. It is. That's me. It, it is. Um, you know, you could... And we use this, you know, the, the adrenaline. Yeah. The adrenaline. Um, we talked about that on a previous show about how, you know, afterwards you need that cooling down period. You do. Before you really can, you know, think clearly. So I, I, I do want to say, and I like giving everyone a, a fair chance. That's fair. You know, and I do want to say, you know, if what he said at first was pretty unacceptable when it comes to the Olympic community, um, but. The fact that he at least made an attempt to apologize. Step in the right direction. That is a step in the right direction. So that's at least a somewhat positive end right. to that story. Right. Um, okay, here's a big one. North Korean speed skater appears to trip Japanese opponent 
after falling I at, the, Olymp- this at one. the Olympics. So the, just to make sure that we have this clear, the North Korean skater had fallen, mm-hmm. was down, and then made the uh, the attempt to trip the Japanese skater in order to try and put that person at a disadvantage. In, right. In, in, so, okay. you know, if I'm going down with, you're going down right. with the ship. Just to make sure that we thing. paint that picture properly right. in case people were unaware. So that was what was perceived by the general audience okay. or, or the, the, the gallery at the time. Okay. Now, um, so it says here, North Korean speed skater Jong Kwang Bom appeared to try to trip his Japanese opponent, Kaita Watanabe, during a men's 500-meter uh, short track heat on Tuesday, mm-hmm. which was the ni- uh, the 13th? 20th. Yeah, the 20th. 20th. Okay. Uh, I, can, I can have a hard time with calendars. You and me both. See, I don't I, can't get past the fact it's just a diagram of dates. Too but hard. Still, no, can't we're, do we're it. Not, we're not smart. And once it gets past ten, I, I forget what day. I it count is. to four for a living, kind of like you. Yeah. The fact that you can conduct in five, get out of my house, you, <laughs> you demon. Anyway. Anyway. So, so, uh, so this was the short meter, the, the five hundred meter short track heat on Tuesday, prompting Olympic officials to restart the race. Okay. Okay. After falling within the first few seconds of the event, Quang Bom reached out and grabbed the skate of Watanabe in an apparent attempt to take down the rival skater. However, for his part, Watanabe said he doesn't think the move was calculated. I believe it was unintentional, he explained, according to Yahoo Sports. His hand happened to be by my skate as he fell down. Japanese coach Jonathan Guimet, which sounds French. Well, they do have that a lot where they where they bring in other people from okay. other countries to, you know. Okay. Uh, seemed to agree. Okay. Uh, I don't know what his what was in, what was his intention, he said. It is really hard to judge what's the intention. I don't know if he tried to grab the skates or if he was or if he is just trying to hold on to something like a reflex. Okay. There are so many hands all over in our sport. That was a reflex thing more than trying to um, uh, sabotage someone else. Okay, so um, so then they then they restarted. Okay, despite the restart, Quang Bum ended up being disqualified from um, bumping into Watanabe and falling once again during the skater's second run. So, all right. One of those, fool me once, right. shame on me, or shame on you. you fool me, fool twice, me twice, shame, shame on, on me. me. Yeah, you know. Um, and, it, and, and the article ends there. So this is for up for interpretation. A second listen, time. Yeah, listen. I there think are, there's. I think there are two in, important points to make on that. The first point is to give kudos to the Japanese team here mm-hmm. with all the the comments that they made because they took the high road here. And they said, look, we understand, we, you know, anything could happen. There's a lot of room for interpretation. So I think that's, first of all, an incredibly important point on their part to say, you know, th- this isn't meant to, you know, we don't know if this was meant to be intended. They're, you know, they're basically trying to m- remove any distraction, avoid any controversy. That's a, that's a great move by them. So, so kudos to them. The second thing that kind of goes along with what you just said about fool me once, fool me twice, et cetera. Perception is reality. You know, you can have um, an, an, a, 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 a certain course of events occur and have 
the general audience perceive it completely differently. And it can, now it can be wrong, but the way that it's being perceived can obviously affect what's actually what's actually happening. You know, um, I mean, look at what an umpire does. Exactly, they perceive a call a certain way. Right, they're going to interpret that. Yeah, you know, as a call. I'll give you I'll give you a prime example that actually affects us a little bit within OSIP. So, we host trivia nights. We host about four. Per month, we have an unwritten rule, so to speak, because it, we really can't enforce this. There's no rule that says it has to be enforced. Where we say anyone who's involved with OSIP, who is either on our board or is one of our executives, really shouldn't be playing trivia. You right. sh- conflict you sh- of interest. Exactly. Now, we we clearly state that. You know, we can't stop you. There's not. There's nothing in our bylaws. There's nothing in our operations manual. Well, in a competitive nature, right? If you just wanted to answer the questions for fun, right? See if you can answer them. That's one thing, right? But to be on a team and to try to, we. I mean, the fact of the matter is that we don't have any sort of of way to enforce that rule. So, in theory, people could be playing trivia, and who who are involved with us. And there's not, you know, and and there's really nothing we can do. And I can't stop them, and you can't stop them. But perception's reality. If people see someone who's involved with OSA playing trivia, they're going to say something's up. You know, so that's where that gray area comes in. So you know, I mean, we, I try if and when those things come up, I I try and take them on a case by case basis. A lot of the things I've done in the past that. You know, in those situations are to say, listen, you want to be on a team, that's fine. You know, if you're not there to, to, to help or anything like that, just A, don't wear anything OSIP related. B, you know, don't tell people you're involved with OSIP. And C, if your team happens to win, you can't take any prizes, blah, 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 blah. You know, so I try and get it. But the, the fact of the matter is that that's how that, that sort of thing kind of applies, how perception is reality. Right. You know, I would feel like. In this specific example as well, if the North Korean skater really did not mean to do any of that stuff, he would proverbially be shouting from the rooftops that he's innocent. You know? Right. I would like to believe that in most cases, that's, I mean, unless, you know, lawyers get involved and say, keep your mouth shut, you know, but this really isn't a case of, of, of legal proportion where a problem like that, you know, Tripping like that will send you to jail. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of my my two cents on it. Okay. All right. What do you got next? Uh, so the OAR, which is the Olympic athletes from athlete, Russia, athletes from Russia, because Russia is bad. Well, yeah. well, from, from they were from, they were naughty, right? From the standpoint of so their hockey team, right? Um, was. There was a very lopsided um, Olympic loss, hockey loss. Um, so, an, an Olympics tournament, and this is the article by Eric Adelson uh, from Yahoo Sports, as calm as a scented Yankee candle, got a droplet of kerosene Ooh. on Saturday night when oh. an old rivalry... rivalry It's not calendars. It's just a word, Sean. Rivalry flared up uh, both on the ice and in the stands, Ooh. which is not very... That doesn't happen often right. in Olympic Correct. hockey, international hockey. 
Team USA got boat raced by OAR, just called, let's just call them Russia. But the one note plot of the 4 0 game didn't compare with the side stories that bubbled between whistles and after the final horn. Late in the third period, Russia trotted out its big guns for a meaningless power play. And that ranked, rankled the U.S. head coach, Tony Granado, enough that there was no handshake with his Russian counterpart. Oof. Again, Olympic stage, no handshake, that's a big deal. Yeah. All right. Uh, when, at, when asked after the game if the late lineup bothered him, the normally, the normally unruffled Granado had a stern one-word answer. Yes. Um. And when asked why, the coach shrugged and said, it's for nothing. So I can stop. I can stop the article right there because um, you're winning. First of all, this is an international stage where good sportsmanship is sort of, again, it's almost boilerplate. I mean, you, 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 it's it's expected of the athletes. Let me ask you a quick question. It, did it say in that article where specifically that power play occurred? Was it late in the third period? Is that what it said? Late in the third period. Okay, just wanted to confirm that. So it's not like it's a close game. It's not like, and it's not like this is the first period. Even a four nothing lead is not safe right. in the first period. And and one point in hockey is like. Tr- tremendous because yeah. you know it's hard to score a goal yes in hockey so there was just i mean it, there's five minutes there's left no, in the there's game no need for it yeah there's no need for it you know just play the rest of the game right like human beings exactly it's, it's the old you know, call off the dogs rule right you know in baseball when you have a sizable lead right. in a baseball game you know, you you do things where you call off the dogs. You say, okay, no one's swinging three and zero. No one's bunting. No one's stealing. You know, we're just right, going base to base. Right. You're know? not putting in. You're not switching players for you know base stealers. Exactly. You, know? you, you might you, you know? might give some of your big guns the rest of the day off. You're not. You know, you'll right. put you'll put it's in an your bench play. Exactly. So, I, um, you know, and I don't know. It, it just it just it just to me. I don't want to say that's the worst one, but that's but that's pretty bad. I mean, you, you know, you're 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 kind of sandbagging this other team. Now let and, me let me play devil's advocate for a second. Okay, not that I I subscribe to this, but I've heard this viewpoint, and I think this is a good debate to have. There are those who believe that in in sports, no lead is safe, as they say. So the idea is that if you if you're up by a lot, you want to keep adding on to continue to put pressure on the other team, blah, 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 blah. Now, again, I'm not saying I necessarily subscribe to that, but that is a viewpoint. And I feel like it's not one that I can completely dismiss as illogical and making no sense. Do I give it credence? Not necessarily, but at the same time, I think it's valid. I think it depends on the sport. You think so? Because if you look at baseball, for instance... right. Or basketball, where points are scored every five seconds. Right. Yeah, you know, maybe you want to. You want the extra security. Right. In baseball, anything can happen. You know, you want the extra. You want the extra security with the runs. Mm-hmm. But where 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 goals are really hard to come by in hockey, and again, I'm not an expert. 
maybe we can ask Ian, who, yeah. was, who was on our podcast uh, a few weeks ago or a month month ago. Um, I think just the overall tone of just sending your best players out late in the third period. I know no lead is safe. Well, but let me throw it at you this way, okay? In baseball, during the regular season where there are 162 games, there is a mindset that one game doesn't necessarily make or break the season. Now, Ken, yeah, we, we've talked we about this before, right. okay? Uh-huh. I'm not again, I'm not saying that I necessarily subscribe to this, but because there are 162 games, when there's a huge lead like that, they're going to call off the dogs per se, okay? Mm-hmm. That's that's just the you know, the 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 way to look at it. Now, if this happens in let's say a World Series game. Right. You're not going to necessarily call off the dogs because every win is precious in the World Series. So I wonder if we have to look at it that way when we're looking at Olympic hockey in that this happens once every four years, a gold medal is at stake. Because of that, can we not afford to call off the dogs? And I'm not saying I know the answer to this. You know, and it's funny because we also talked about how, and maybe it's not an exact parallel, but fighting in hockey right. tends to diminish towards the championship. Right. So would this be a, I know this is not fighting per se, but I don't know. It's a tough call. And I think this is a, this isn't an open and shut case. I Believe me, I completely understand the logic behind why someone would be upset over that decision. I completely get it. I'm, I think it's incredibly valid and, 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 and correct to feel that way right. per se. But we have to, you know, we have to put it in context to a degree as well. And I think that's a good question for a later debate. And there's more, I mean, there's much more to this article, Obvious, but, yeah. but I mean, in terms of the whole game, as we got, we got the, you know, the gist of it, so to speak. Um, but I think that was just the cap to it. And it, it, uh, to me, it seemed a little unnecessary. I hear you. Um, but I, yeah, that's my opinion. So, okay. Um, what else you got? All right. So an Olympic doping scandal in curling. Yes. That's where I get all my doping. Yes. Curling. That's exactly what it says. Could have big consequences for Russia. What are the odds? So... No, starts no Olympics feels complete without some sort of juicy scandal. Well, that's okay. What is this, a soap opera? I mean, anyway. Is this a Shonda Rhimes production? So, this year, leave it to the curlers to create one, uh, according to the article. So, at the 2018 Winter Olympic Games, a positive drug test from Russian curler Alexander Krushelnyadik you took French. You don't have to get this one right. Crucial right. Nitsky. Yes, a curler apparently doped. He kept Pyongyang buzzing. Crucial Nitsky won bronze in the mixed double curling event along with his wife, Anastasia Brzgalova. Uh, You're doing all right with these names. I, I, <laughs> I try. I really do. Um, so... 
normally if a curler was caught taking performance-enhancing drugs, everyone would enjoy a good guffaw and move on. Right. Curling's a gentle game often played over beers outside the Olympics anyway. Uh, the sport requires no brute strength, and it's not a heart-taxing endurance. It's chess on ice is what it is. Or, or, or um, shuffleboard, yeah. kind of, right? Um, so, Kruchnelnitsky, however, If you get like Russian, 80% of it right, I'm fine, okay? I, I'm still going to try, Okay. <laughs> I can't get calendars right. No, but, but, but Russian names? Yeah, I'm trying. Go here. for it, buddy. That complicates things, especially at these Olympic Games. Uh, Russia op- operated a state-sponsored doping scheme at the Sochi Olympics, and the International Olympic Committee considered kicking the country out of the 2018 Olympics. Right. I remember all this. Yeah. Technically, Russia isn't even here. Yeah. Its its team is called the Olympic Athletes from Russia. Right. So let's remember that. Oh, because that, compete- that makes a big deal. Right. And it may and it competes under the Olympic flag. Right. The Olympic anthem, rather than the Russian national anthem, would play at medal ceremonies. So, and when this at the time this article was written, uh, OAR has yet to win a gold. Okay. Any Russian athlete disqualified or declared ineligible for any anti-doping rule violation in his or her past that was deemed ineligible for the Olympics. Russian Russians were also subject to special drug testing this year. In January, the Olympic Na- uh, Committee, the International Olympic Committee, issued conduct guidelines for the OAR delegation. Athletes, for example, can't display the Russian flag at the Olympic Village, though they can hang it in their bedrooms. Fair enough. All right. What you do behind uh, closed doors is up to you. The IO the the IOC said Russia could possibly wear its uniforms and fly its flag at the closing ceremonies, providing these conditions for participation are fully respected. Uh, Krushelnitsky's doping violation puts the Olympic reinstatement of Russia proper in jeopardy. Um, so, meldonium, the same substance that earned tennis star. Uh, Maria Sharapova, a 15th month sus- uh, suspension, okay. was in his system. Oh. Um, so it's been described as having performance enhancing benefits in sport, including an increase in endurance, imp- improved rehabilitation following exercise, and enhanced activations of the central nervous system. Because you really need this in curling. Well, now wait a minute. So, as an aside, okay, okay, you know, not to not. You know, there is a tremendous amount of strategy now, that it involved, yeah. and it does require a sharp mind. So, to you know, steroids, um, in in it, in it, although I don't know if this is an official type of steroid, but it it is a performance enhancing drug, and performance can include both physical and mental. I see what you're saying. You know, yeah. mental increase um, in in. Um, Cognitive function, you know, mm-hmm. so, so uh, it does put you in an advantage over those who are not partaking in that substance. So, to me, there's no, it's an open. In, I mean, to me, it's a, it's a, it's an open close case. Right. He should not get his medal. Oh, absolutely. You no, know, I completely there, agree you know, with that. So, yeah. so, um, you know, it it's just, <laughs> I mean, it. Curling has grown in popula- popularity that over the has, past few yeah. years, and it's a very interesting sport, um, you know. And uh, it just goes to show you this can happen anywhere, yeah. not just in typical what we right. view as typical sports. Sport, yeah, here. this is obviously yeah 
The reason I, I think the reason I, 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 I make that facetious comment is because, you know, with all the steroids that we talk about in a sport such as baseball, the general consensus, although this isn't necessarily the science, is, is, is that the steroids, the performance-enhancing drugs, uh, don't necessarily help you hit the baseball. They help you hit the baseball farther. You know, the cognitive side of it in this particular sport of baseball doesn't really play the same role. You already have to have... Well, they're an entirely different set of com- uh, mechanics right, involved, right? right? So, so I guess maybe this is probably just ignorance on my part for the, the scientific aspect of how this will affect the physio- physiology of, of the body and the mind. You know, I think the, the lay person would look at something like curling. I mean, we just talked about how we kind of associate it with something like shuffleboard over beers outside the Olympics, right. et cetera, that the necessary mental capacity necessary for that sport and to be successful in that sport, we, it, the average person may not draw the connection between right. a performance-enhancing drug. Understandably so. You know, and, and what the, how they might need it in something like curling. Absolutely. You know? Which, which is another interesting debate to have because we mm-hmm. don't – I don't know if we know all the science behind performance-enhancing drugs and why you – know, I mean, we know generally why people take them. We know mm-hmm. – you know, we kind of understand the, the psychology behind it. Right. But we don't know per se how, you know, each particular substance is going to affect each particular aspect of the human body. Right. You know, so – it's an interesting story. Yeah. Especially when you throw in the aspect of how it affects Russia's standing within the Olympic community. And again, here we go. And here again with the political, you know, the, the, the political angle here. I mean, you know, there's all this investigation, right. you know, into into the, the Russian scandal with our administration. Right. And, and, and you know— it in their potential meddling with our with our with our voting uh our uh, our voting uh system so you know it, it unfortunately all ties together and you know we try our best or as as a, as a society to mitigate politics within sports but as you said it is a microcosm yes of what there is, is a going on. Whether it's a direct connection or an indirect connection yeah. or however you want to define it, there there you can draw ties between the two. Be, especially, you know, especially because we put so much emphasis and importance within sports in our society as one of the great escapes mm-hmm. that we have. Right. I mean, the fact that these industries are billion dollar industries for entertainment purposes and the fact that these athletes get paid millions upon millions of dollars to play a game to entertain us right i mean then you flip the script over and you say look at the way that we we treat the 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 political landscape in our society as a whole whether it be on a national scale or on a global scale and you know, compare it to compare what it is now to where it was ten years ago, twenty years ago, thirty years ago, back into the eras of Vietnam, back mm-hmm. to World War Two, World War One, and mm-hmm. so on and so forth. And you can see the vast differences mm-hmm. in how it has grown. I mean, not to not to say that one is necessarily bigger and better than the other per se. Uh, it's kind of like apples and oranges, mm-hmm. but. 
I mean, I don't think I'm breaking any new ground when I say that the sportsmanship in politics today has become so ridiculous, or the, the poor sportsmanship mm-hmm. in politics today, because, you know, we were, I mean, p- drop the needle wherever you want in our political society, in the, mm-hmm. you know, during the 20th century. Was it ever, and again, I didn't, I haven't lived through much of that, but mm-hmm. you know, I've read textbooks. I have. Yeah. Okay. I, I, you, you've I'm, been alive since the birth of Christ, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Are you Jesus? Not yet. Not yet. Oh, you're working towards it? Oh, yeah. You're paying tuition to get that degree. Yeah. <laughs> um, I feel like the, the 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 level of sportsmanship in the way that politics has, uh, has been, quote unquote, run is significantly worse now. You know, you, 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 had, you had significant debates in the 20th century over topics and whatnot, especially because of the amount of wars that there were and things like that. It was a completely different landscape. Um, there seemed to be more genuine concern for um, the actual issues at hand from a philosophical standpoint and a practical standpoint, rather than what we have today, which is very prominent on both sides of the aisle in what is nothing short of name-calling and disparaging uh, propaganda, to bring that word mm-hmm. back in, just to paint the other side as the bad guy. And we I, see that, I mean, we see that let alone in, in the elections. I can, sum, I can sum it up in one sentence. Life is not about what happens to you, but how you react to it. And we are in such a reactionary mentality nowadays. The littlest thing can set someone off on a tunnel vision tangent where nothing you say or do will change that person's course of direction. We are just not listening anymore. The idea of having a constructive, mature conversation and debate, per se, that does not become attacking the integrity of another person uh, is a complete fallacy. It it doesn't exist. Let me give you a good example of that really quick before I get to the last example. When Bill Nye and Ken Ham had that debate on creationism versus evolution. Okay. They were, it was the epitome of a well-structured debate, no name calling. They were just presenting their evidence for, for their own side. Right. And it was a learning experience for everyone in the room. And I feel like we need more people like these two guys. Yeah. You know, I, I don't personally am on, 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 um, Bill Nye's side, but, but I'm listening. Yeah. My ears are open and that's the point. Right. You know, I'm listening to what Ken Ham has to say about creationism. I might not agree with it, but I'm listening. Yeah. And that's the whole point is that that's what people need to do. They need to open their ears. That's why we have two ears and one mouth. Right. right? That's just math. If we had two mouths, we'd be a whole lot hungrier. <laughs> But, and we didn't even have lunch yet. Oh, God, yeah. And I just... Yeah. Oh, what are you doing? I'm sorry. That's okay. But anyway, I, I think we just I think we just need to... I think we just really... We just need to listen more yeah, first. We absolutely do. So 
let me let me let me move on. Yeah, let's get to this last one here. This is a great example. Okay. A really positive. A great way to end. Brought, I know where you're going. This is a great brought, story. This has brought tears to my eyes. But um, this is in the speed skating event. Um, South Korea and Japan um, celebrate skaters Bonhomi, um, good friends. Okay. Okay. Um, you and your languages today. I yeah. know. A photo of rival skaters from South Korea and Japan uh, hugging each other after a tense race has touched many hearts in the two neighbors with a bitter history, with many, including Japanese Prime Minister Shinzo Abe, applauding their friendship. Japanese skater Nao Kodaira stormed uh, to gold in the in the women's 500-meter race on Sunday night. Um the, the, 20, the 18th? The 18th. Okay, yeah. Okay. I did it. <laughs> uh, beating defending champion and hometown favorite, Lee Sang-hwa. But a picture of Kodera uh, hugging and comforting her rival, who was in tears holding a South Korean flag, has melted hearts in both nations. Bilateral relations remain strained due to the shared past in which Japan colonized South Korea from 1910 to 1945. Okay. The site of of two of you embracing each other after the race and congratulating each other has it was really wonderful, Abe told her on Monday during a phone call to congratulate Kodaira on her first Olympic win. Japanese viewers tweeted that the scene brought them to tears, while one wrote, the scene of the two embracing is something all humanity has been waiting for. Uh, newspapers, newspaper headlines in Japan also lauded the gesture, saying embrace for rival Lee and commenting on their bond. In South Korea, photos of the two were prominently carried in major newspapers with headlines such as a borderless friendship and Lee's tears and Kodaira's con- consolation, the rival's beautiful finale. So, God, if I go on, I'm going to start crying. All but, right, so but, then don't go on. <laughs> but, but, uh, but, I mean, it just, uh, you know... This is what it's about. It is it? what it's about. It's the fact you know, that, you know. This is this is what we needed to see. This right. is what we needed to hear. You know, it's uh, it's a good ending, you know. Um, well, not an ending. There's At the time of recording this, there's still some time to go. But uh, the, the, the point is, again, this is what the world has come together for. Right. It's not... You know, I want to say that I want to be in a, you know, end this on a positive note and say, I want this to erase all the bad examples as much as we'd wish that. And as much as we'd like to think that, unfortunately, we can't. And we just in order to sort of continue with, with this and the idea of the mentality of erasing these instances of bad sportsmanship, the only cure for that is more good instances, right. you know. Telling the message to people who will listen, and these two athletes are are. This is what it's about, right? You know, um, so to say kudos to them is an understatement, considering the political climate uh, between those two countries and how we say that this is a microcosm of our right. world. Um, this is a hope for the future. Mm-hmm. This is not just about sports. This is not just about how you're supposed to behave. This is about, you're, we're talking an international stage. 
This is this is goes beyond the sport. Right. This act. It is a symbol of friendship uh, uh, amongst two rival countries. And to use rival and country in the same sentence is almost bad sportsmanship to begin with. Right. You know, you, 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 it's, a, it's an act of, it's a symbolism of togetherness and friendship. And um, I think this is a good spot to, to end with our coverage right. of sportsmanship in the Olympics. Well, I'm going to throw two more quick ones at you. Oh, okay. Oh, here okay. we go. I'll give you the bad one and the good one. Oh, okay. All right. Gotta have Gotta go back to bad. The All bad right. one is the uh, the female the women's hockey uh, gold medal match oh, between the USA and Canada. One. Yeah. The stories that. The one right. girl from Canada, as soon as she got the, the, the silver medal put around her neck, she mm-hmm. ripped it off. Right, because she was so upset. Exactly. Um, which I think is a great point of discussion because not only over everything that we've just discussed about the Olympics and you know everything under the sun. I mean, we, could, we can talk about that till we're blue in the face as we've already done. It's more along the lines of, is it okay to be frustrated and not be gracious for what you've already accomplished? I was going to say something along those lines. You know, it's I was going to say something like that because a silver to be hard medal, on yeah. yourself to be hard on yourself shows the community that you really care about your own performance right. and the performance of your team. Somewhat like not unlike the French skier, right? I meant Favre that yeah. I mentioned in the beginning, but. In a ceremony? Yeah, exactly. Save it for afterwards. Save it for afterwards. Exactly. I was going to say right. that. You can, you can definitely say later, I'm upset at myself for not being able to you know, bring us the gold, blah, 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 so on and so forth. There's a certain level of decorum Correct. and respect that you have to have on that podium. Right. I agree. I agree. I, I'm, believe me, I get the, the, the disappointment of the silver medal. Like Jerry Seinfeld always has his bit about it where he goes... You know, I'd rather finish last than get the silver medal because the silver medal is like, congratulations, you almost won. Right. You know, out of all the losers, you <laughs> came in first. first of that group. Right. You're the number one loser. Mm-hmm. No one lost ahead of you. Right. You know, he says, you get the gold, you feel good. You got the bronze, oh, at least I got something, right. you know. So I, I totally get it from that standpoint, you know, especially as we look at it with such a humorous lens. Mm-hmm. But you're right. There is a certain level, level of decorum. And let's put it in context, too. You have a silver medal. Do you know how many people out there would kill for that silver right. medal just to have a medal? Right. You know, so, exactly. so to, to, there, you can be upset at yourself. With, but but also you're on an international stage. Understand that people want to be where you are. Be right. gracious for what you have, even though you are disappointed in yourself. And then the, the the good side is, or the good the final good story is the one where there is a middle school in Ohio mm-hmm. using the Olympics as a way to teach sportsmanship. Bringing within, it back home. Good. Okay. Within their own community. Great. What they've done basically is they've set up this this form of the Olympic Games within their own school, uh, obviously not to the same extent. You know, they're not, they're not bringing in snow so that the middle right. schoolers can do downhill skiing. Right. Um, and the, the different kids represent different countries and whatnot. And, and ultimately, yeah, they give out medals, but then they give out more important medals for good sportsmanship. Oh. So, so yeah, they're like, you might have won the gold medal in that, in that sport, but... 
You but this team representing this country wins the gold medal for sportsmanship. You right. know, and that that has greater intrinsic value to them. So great. So they they are an example of taking this opportunity and really trying to use it at that malleable age. That's why we mm-hmm. go for these middle school kids, especially right. with our OSIP awards, because we know that this is that time where you really have to implant it. You're just not going to have the same reach once they reach that high school level. Right. I mean, or you, you, you still could, but the probability might diminish. Right. So, so the fact that, that they're doing that over there is, is, is an amazing thing. Yeah. You know, so we had a lot of good examples of sportsmanship. Yeah. All the bad ones that we right. had, you know, we had a lot of good stuff good. as well. And yeah. I think that's a good thing to keep in mind as we close is to say, you know, for every for every poor incident that we have to report, there's hope because there are people doing good. Mm-hmm. And we hope to empower those people. Right. Because you may not be able to reach the ones who, who are the bad sports. You know, the ones who need it the most are not mm-hmm. the ones who are going to listen. Right. So we, you know, our hope is to continue to congratulate and empower these people who are doing the good work because it's through them that the message will eventually spread. Right. So... I think we covered a lot. We got a yeah. lot of good stuff done today. Yeah. So, uh, great job as always. You too. So uh, we will we will be back with you in a couple of weeks uh, in the middle of March, where we will hopefully have a guest on for a who thinks that they are the biggest baseball aficionado. Okay. That's that's the goal. All right. All right. So. Make sure you email us at podcast at osipfoundation.org. Tell us why you are the biggest baseball aficionado that you know, and we may bring you on to our show. Yeah. So let's. I, I, I hope that we can get a ton of people to, to send that in. Yeah. Um, as always, other than contacting the show that way, you've got facebook.com slash OSIP Foundation. I can't even talk at this point. Mm-hmm. Twitter is at OSIP Foundation, hashtag how you play the game. Um, be sure to subscribe, like, stars, reviews, the whole nine. And um, we'll be seeing you in a couple of weeks. So, Sean, thank you. Thank you. And uh, as always, everybody out there, treat each other with respect. How You Play the Game is a production of the OSIP Foundation, Incorporated. The producer-engineer of this episode is Sean Ryan. Music by Soundspring Studio. The executive producer of How You Play the Game is Jack Furlong. For more information, visit osipfoundation.org. If you're interested in advertising on How You Play the Game, please email us at podcast at osipfoundation.org.